Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. All right, stop right there. How do you know that? I said Christ is risen. You said he's risen indeed. You're very positive and sure of yourself. How do you know that? You sounded very convincing from up here, but did you see him walking around at Giant Eagle? Did you check the grave? How do you know? Christ is risen. You proclaim it, but how do you know it? We know it. If not, we'd be fibbers. Because Scripture is true. It's God's Word. It's reality. Scripture never changes. It's the touchstone of our faith. And Jesus prays the Father in John 17, 17. He prays for the believers to be sanctified, set apart by the truth. And Jesus says, your word, Father, is truth. So let us now, using the Westminster Confession of Faith, read together the essentials of the faith about Scripture. It's printed in your bulletin and should be on the overhead. All Scripture is self-attesting and being truth requires our unreserved submission in all areas of life. The infallible Word of God the 66 books of the Old New Testament is a complete and unified witness to God's redemptive acts, culminating in the incarnation of the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible, uniquely and fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, is the supreme and final authority on all matters on which it speaks. God's word is true, and scriptures, they are supreme and final authority. So therefore, we can boldly proclaim that we believe Jesus Christ was virgin born, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell, and yes, on the third day, he rose again from the dead. This is most certainly true. God's word is truth. This is reinforced in scripture like Psalm 147. So let us read together Psalm 147 responsibly. Praise the Lord. How good is it to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up the breezes and the waters flow. He has 
revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and his decrees to Israel. Praise the Lord. The gospel reading today, we're finishing up on the gospel of Mark. It's a short resurrection story about Jesus walking and meeting two people on the road to Emmaus. Now Mark 16, we read that when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven out several demons. He went on and told those who had been with him and were mourning and weeping. They heard Jesus was alive and she had seen him. They did not believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. The Gospel of Mark tells of an encounter between two disciples and Jesus appearing in a different form. This mysterious encounter of Jesus expanded in the Gospel of Luke. And so as Paul Harvey would say, in a moment, the rest of the story. So now Luke 24, verses 13 through 36, the road to Emmaus encounter. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with, with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. Chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, this is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they did not find the body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they didn't see Jesus. Jesus said to them, how foolish are you and how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for e nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and he's appeared to Simon. Then the two of them told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. 
Now, while they were still talking, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. And now you know the rest of the story. This account of the resurrected Jesus occurs on the Easter Sunday. There were early reports of an empty tomb, reports from the tomb that there were angels stating that Jesus was not dead but alive. Now in the gospel readings we find two disciples traveling to Emmaus after the Passover. Leaving Jerusalem, they were downcast. Everyone had witnessed or heard of the crucifixion. These two travelers are disappointed and discouraged. They're brokenhearted about the crucifixion of Jesus, who they believe to be the redeemer of Israel. Instead of Jesus being their liberator, he was dead, and he lay in a tomb. Now they leave Jerusalem, and they are walking to Emmaus, about a seven-mile journey, and Jesus joins them. He walks beside them, hidden from being in a different form. But they were kept from recognizing him. There were two of them walking. One was Cleopas and the other one, we don't know who it was. But they're walking along discussing the events of Good Friday and Easter morning and they're confused and they're dejected. Jesus joins them and he asks them, what are you discussing? Now sometimes one thing I like to do in reading scripture, especially with a conversation, is to interject myself into the conversation or place myself as one of the characters, a bit of role play. So you can interject yourself as Jesus, a Cleopas, or the other one's walking. But interject yourself into the situation and visualize what's going on. So here we have two disciples, two believers walking, discussing things and their sadness to death about Jesus. And Jesus walks alongside of them and simply says, what are you talking about? Now brokenhearted, Cleopas and the other one, it says they're walking, but they said, Scripture says they stopped, they stood still. They seemed unable to continue. And Cleopas responds to Jesus with another question. Don't you know? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and you don't know these things, these things that happened over Passover? And Jesus continues with yet another question. What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet, a man of God, mighty in word and deed, he was handed over. He was crucified. He's dead. He's gone. This is the Jesus we put our hope in. We, we believed he was the one who was going to save Israel, but it's over. The two travelers had faced the fact that, yes, Jesus is dead, crucified and placed in a tomb. That is fact. But they had some other information too. They knew that the women went to the tomb in the morning, and then they said the tomb was empty, and there, there were angels. Angels proclaiming that Jesus was alive. And even after all that, some of their companions went to the tomb and they said, Yeah, it's empty, and Jesus isn't there. But yet, they were still downcast. They weren't excited about the empty tomb. They weren't excited that there were proclamations that Jesus was alive. No, they were downcast. They had the facts, but they didn't comprehend what was going on. They had no earthly idea. It made no sense. How could this be part of God's plan for the Messiah? The Messiah crucified, and now he's alive, placed in a tomb, but now the tomb's empty. 
This all seems impossible. What's going on here? It's mind-blowing. It's confusing. And darkness overshadows their hearts. They didn't understand God's plan. They were downcast. They lost all hope. They didn't understand that Jesus' death and resurrection offered them the greatest hope of all. But they were questioning, how could this be? Now Jesus begins his instruction to them with a nice, gentle rebuke. How foolish are you and slow to believe? He's telling them, you heard the word of God and yet you don't understand. Did not God's Messiah need to suffer and then enter into his glory? You don't understand. What do the scriptures say? And then Jesus begins to preach the sermon of all sermons, which I'd love to hear. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained all the scriptures concerning himself. But why did Jesus use the scripture? Why didn't he just roll up and say, here, look at the scars? Why didn't he take him to a lake and say, watch me walk on some water? Why didn't he perform a miracle to like a supernatural fisherman's great catch? Or why didn't he feed the multitude? Instead, Jesus used Scripture. Scripture about himself. Because Scripture is the truth about God given to us by God. There is no truth apart from the word of God. God's word goes out but is not returned void. God can reveal himself any way he wants, but God chooses to reveal himself in his word. God binds himself. He is bound to the word. He eternally connects himself to the word so he can speak to us. The word conveys clear meaning, the truth, and only God can open his, his word to us. Flesh and blood does not reveal Christ to us. Only the Father in heaven. And we understand Jesus to be the living word because in the beginning was the word. And Christ is the logos. He is the word. So not only is Jesus the truth, but Jesus is the one through his truth conveys the word to us of who he is. Jesus tells us who he is using scripture. He's more than a miracle maker. He's more than a healer. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So it's hard for these travelers walking to Emmaus to grasp the meaning of the crucifixion, let alone the resurrection. That is a difficult teaching. Death and suffering by a Messiah was not popular then, and it's not popular today either. But there is hope. There's hope in the resurrection because there's life coming from death. Jesus explained the scriptures to them, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. And they're walking right next to those two, the downcast travelers, was Jesus the one who the scriptures were speaking of? You see, Jesus lovingly walked with Cleopas and his friend, speaking him gently, leading them and redirecting these two brokenhearted believers. Jesus was opening up their hearts to the word of God. God sends his word to the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. There is no truth apart from God's word. 
as we confess God's word as trustworthy and true, supreme, and the final authority. But God's word is under attack in today's world, beloved. The word is said to be untrue. The Bible is nothing but a bunch of stories and fairy tales told by men a long time ago. There's errors in Scripture. There's contradictions. How can anyone consider this word to be reliable, let alone try to live your life to it? And in our world, in some homes, some churches, some seminaries, and yes, by some preachers, God's word is under attack. Scripture is quoted and misquoted. You see, the devil is at work. The devil is not opposed to the use of Scripture. Satan is just opposed to the perfect use of Scripture. The devil is the father of lies. His playbook has not changed. From the Garden of Eden to the temptation of Jesus to the day, the devil still questions, did God really say? Did God really say? Does his word really say there will be a bodily resurrection of Messiah? Are you sure? Are you sure Jesus is truly alive? Somebody didn't steal his body. Are you living a lie? Are you, did God's word really say that? But in the temptation, Jesus makes ultimate support of Scripture. When tempted by the devil, Jesus first, and always his response is, it is written. It is written in the Scriptures. It is written, and it's God's word, the supreme and final authority, period. Beloved, we are called to be steadfast, to hold firm, because there is no truth apart from God's word. Other parts of Scripture, is Scripture trustworthy? Well, Jesus himself dispels many arguments used against the validity of the Old Testament accounts. We'll start studying Jonah next week. Some people say it's Jonah is just a fictional story. There's no way that anybody could be swallowed up by a big fish. It's not true. Well, Jesus thought it was true because in Matthew 12, 28, Jesus says that Jonah was in the belly of the big fish for three days and three nights. All right. What about Noah? What about the ark? Couldn't be. Couldn't be a flood. You know, that's a local folklore. That's but Jesus returns. He says, in the day of my return, be days like Noah. And there was a flood. In the days of Noah, people eating, drinking, marrying, giving, and marriage upon the day Noah entered the ark. So there was an ark and there was a flood. Jesus says it. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is another story that people dismiss as fable. It's a scary story that God puts in the Bible to scare people. And yet, in Luke 17, 28, Jesus likens the end times to Sodom. He says, but the day of Lot and Sodom, fire and brimstone and sulfur rained down from heaven, destroyed them all. So Sodom is a real city, and there was a real judgment by God on Sodom and Gomorrah. Throughout Scripture, Jesus confirms creation. Jesus affirms marriages between a man and a woman. Jesus proves over and over again that the Scriptures are true. Because beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explains the scriptures about himself and how the Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled in him. God has bound himself to his word and the word of God is truth and there's no truth apart from God's word. And that is why God uses scripture. And that is why Jesus uses scripture to speak the truth to himself, about himself to the Emmaus travelers. See, Jesus walks with them. He's instructing them. They're downcast. He's building them back up. 
And as they travel, they come to the village, and it looks like Jesus is going to keep on going. But the two say, Jesus, join us. And they join him for dinner, and Jesus acts as the host of the dinner because the host breaks the bread. So Jesus comes in. He acts as the host, breaks the bread, and in the breaking the bread, their eyes are open, and they recognize who he is. And they said, did not our hearts burn when he opened the scriptures to us? Their hearts burned when Jesus used the scriptures. Jesus opened their eyes to understand. And when he did that, their hearts burned. Now downcast no longer, they got up, and scripture says they returned at once to Jerusalem. How fast do you think they ran back? to Jerusalem after meeting the risen Christ. It says it's a seven-mile journey. I have a feeling they hiked up their tunics and they took off. And they go back and they see the 11 and they told them what happened on the Maris Road. And yet again, the 11 didn't believe them. Right after that, Jesus returns and meets the 11 and he shows them the scars. But then again, right after that, he says... Jesus opened their eyes and their hearts to the scriptures. Jesus told the, the 11 that everything in the scriptures must be fulfilled as is written about me. He says, why do you doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet, touch me, see me. And then he opened their minds and their eyes to understand the scriptures. They couldn't do it on their own. And that is how God meets our greatest needs in ways he only can to open our eyes to the wonder of the scripture and the beauty of his word. And because his word is beauty, therefore we need to cherish and treasure his word. We need God's truth burning in our hearts and our hearts on fire. And these things, when we find our heart on fire, we hear the good news. The only thing we can do is run and tell somebody else about the good news, that Jesus is alive. He is risen. Some say seeing is believing, and I believe after reading this about Jesus and the Emmaus Road, is that hearing is believing. Because the travelers on the road to Emmaus use Scripture, Jesus used Scripture to open their eyes and their minds. No, not everybody who reads Scriptures understands them. In some cases, Scriptures are hidden from human minds unless God opens their hearts and their eyes, and their minds. Now the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they knew the scripture. They could quote it. They memorized it. But they didn't understand it. They could not comprehend the wonder of God's word. They considered themselves the religious elite. And yet Jesus rebukes them with harsh words. Jesus called them spiritually blind. He told them that everything they do was for publicity, and they did it for the people to see. Their hearts were far from God, and their passion was to exalt themselves. They were filled with pride, and they did not seek after God. God hid the truth, the scriptures, from the Sadducees and the Pharisees. God is the one who opens the scriptures. Now, you could be an unbelieving scholar with doctorate degrees 
and study the scripture, quote the scripture, memorize the scripture, and yet you don't understand because God did not open the scriptures to them. And yet a three-year-old, a two-year-old, they can understand scriptures and be blessed. God is the one who opens the scriptures. God is the one that opens the eyes of the blind. He removes the scales of doubt from our, from our eyes. God is the one who renews the heart through his word. He is the author of the scriptures. He is the interpreter of the scriptures. And before we read scriptures, we should pray, God, open our hearts and minds that we may comprehend your scriptures, that our hearts may burn. For God's word is the final answer, and that final answer is Jesus Christ. I love all the music this morning. We didn't even plan that. And it's like everything that you were singing about. It's about Jesus loving you, walking beside you. Because you're important. God does not and will not abandon you. Instead, he walks beside you. Jesus came back to the 11. He didn't abandon them. Jesus told Peter at the Last Supper that Satan wanted to sift him like wheat. And later, Peter denies Jesus, but Peter did not slip through Jesus' hands. Thomas doubted. He didn't slip through Jesus' hands. The two downcasts on the road to Emmaus, Jesus gently walks with them and loves them back and restores their hope and faith. Jesus walks with you in the quietness. And he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit in that still small voice. Jesus walks with us and is always near us. He walks with us in the good times and the bad times. Jesus is our Savior. God sent Jesus to rescue us. He's our advocate. He is for us. He will not forsake us. When we feel forgotten, when we feel unknown, in our loneliness, when we don't understand, when it seems like nobody is on our side, there's times we feel that even God doesn't care about me right now feel like disappearing and vanishing from sight. When, like the, the walk to Emmaus, they, they couldn't take another step. They were surrounded by the darkness and heaviness in their heart. And you're ashamed and hiding in your tomb. Jesus is there walking with you. And he calls you beloved. He calls you by name. I want you to take a minute and close your eyes. Close them and think about a time when you were in need. That time when you felt alone, forsaken, abandoned. A time when you desperately needed help. You needed Jesus. Think about that time when you were near the end of your rope. You didn't understand what happened and, or what was going on around you when your hopes and dreams seemed so crushed. Sudden death of a loved one, an unexpected diagnosis from a doctor, loss of a job, a rejection letter from college, unforgiven sin, hateful words spoken about you. When you think you have all the answers, but you didn't. Times when you felt so broken, you don't even feel you had the strength to call out to Jesus.
think about that time. Well, picture Jesus joining you. See Jesus moving in your life, walking alongside of you in your situation. Hear Jesus joining in your conversation. Hear the Lord call you by name as his beloved. See him working in your situation and in your life, even when you didn't think he was there. Hear the Lord praying to the Father for you. Ask Jesus into that place and that struggle and that disappointment. And like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, ask Jesus to open your eyes to the scriptures so your heart may burn again. Know this, beloved, that Jesus is closer than you think. He is the someone who is already there walking beside you. The one who overcame sin and death, hatred and darkness. He's the one who's able to open your eyes and open your mind. He is the one who can kindle in your heart the fire so it burns bright for him. And he's not only the one who walks beside you, he's the one that goes before you and prepares a place for you. He calls us out of the tomb from death to life. He walks with you. He will never abandon you or forsake you. He is the unexpected God that meets you in your disappointment. He is a God who is for us, and we know that is true. Because that's what the scriptures say. Let us pray. O oh God, almighty and merciful, you heal the brokenhearted and turn sadness and sorrow into joy. Lord Jesus, walk with us and guide us by your truth, your word. Let us not be ashamed to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Renew our hearts to once again, as the body of Christ, burn within us. As we share the gospel and be disciples making disciples. Lord, open our eyes and make our minds so that we can understand the scriptures. Renew, revive, reawaken our hearts to burn for you alone. And in our need, lead us to the scriptures and grant us open minds. The insight to understand and the strength to put your word into action in our life. Walk with us, guide us, even when we are dull and slow to understand. Do not give up on us. Because we know a smoldering candle wick you will not extinguish. Be our shelter and be our hope. Teach us, Lord, to trust you and your word and be content in our circumstances. And Lord, when we do not sense you near us, remind us who you are and Lord, you are so much more than we can imagine. Amen. Please join me now as we pray the prayer our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.